He wants to make 300,000 a year only helping 45 people a year get a roof, mm -hmm. right? And those 45 people, the minute he stops, he's gone. He's never gonna answer their phone call again. Once you create these videos for the top seven questions in the sales process and put them onto the website, including pricing and why are you more expensive, then people start to be much more ready to buy and you have less trash well, customers. And then you get unit economics of the business coming down to allow to pay more for the labor. So I think that there's a cycle that, mm. will, that has come to industries like this where the labor will get a bigger proportion of the share because the business operates at a lower cost. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And today I have Adam Sand of Roofing Business Partner for RBP Consulting. Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here in the office, kind of helping and contributing, and see what I can see what I can do, but then also what I can learn from the experience. Absolutely. And today we're talking about: Are you writing for robots or humans on your website? And we're also talking about the tension of growing a company how quickly should you grow that company and the things that hold you back i'm sure i'll come up with a better title and slap it on there once this thing is done but let's get into it i posed a question in the group the other day that most content that is written on the internet is it used to be humans writing content to pretend to be good for humans that's actually good for seo crawling robots um and then in especially in roofing let's just like keep it there so then if i'm a roofer and i read now it's robots writing content for robots because everybody's using things like chat gpt and jasper and stuff like this but if i google best marketing for roofers your page is one of those ones that shows up sure. right roofer seo i think is the one that you actually show up first for you yeah. frequently yeah. kind of show that roofing screenshot SEO, yeah so now if i'm a roofer and i google roofer seo and then you show up first at best I'm skimming it to go, oh, like, yeah, they have some content here, but then I'm just gonna go to the Contact Us page and I'm gonna reach out to you and book a call. So the quality of human readability or in or pedagogical learning, teaching mm -hmm. that came from that blog post is not as effective as the fact that you wrote- We're able to show up for You were basically and able I, to get an upvote from the roof, from uh, the robots. Yeah, I think basically I could agree and then just kind of dissect some of the nuances of that. So. One, if somebody does read that, especially the top part, because for instance, like they may at least read the headline mm -hmm. and maybe a couple key bullet points, let's say differentiating features. Mm -hmm. And then they may even read like, what is the form kind of saying? Like if they're going to convert, right? So you need all that to be at least good. Mm -hmm. I happen to believe that I'm writing for humans that then inform robots. So I really am kind of trying to hit the robots, but I believe that the human behavior informs what the robots rank. So it, it's, not, it's not cleanly this way, and that's why it's confusing. And technically, I don't really know every last detail of Google's algorithm. Well, I don't think even Google at this point knows, but... but yeah, it's true. There's John Mueller, who's like the main guy of Google, and I've heard him speak and like been involved with it before at a conference. And I'm like, I feel like I know some things about the algorithm that you don't because I'm like working, like I'm literally like... This is like Jamie, Jamie Dimon yeah. and the 2008 financial crisis yeah. where they don't even know how to read the analyst sheets anymore, yeah. right? Like they don't even know how to, these derivatives work. So I think that exists to some degree. But there's so, basically like this, like if they do read it all the way, so that page, for instance, roofing SEO, I think roof, roofer SEO, there's my roofer SEO, which is a company name. So like they've cheated the system on roofer SEO, which is, hey, that's a strategy. 
but roofing SEO were the top one usually. And if you read that entire thing, it's basically as much information as a lot of these people charging $250, $700 for a course. Like, so like ultimately, like I've actually given people exactly how to do the entire, like from scratch process. Like I believe that I am fulfilling the intent that that's my belief around SEO is like you should fulfill the intent of the searcher and maybe that's a very I mean I'm not you could really go either way with this so I'm not saying that that's the like that might be over spending over delivering on this process but that is what that is our ideological intention mm -hmm. is to fulfill the intent that means we don't generally go after super crazy deep technical roofing topics when we're writing for a roofer. We're generally going for like commercial intent topics and covering them from a, a customer's perspective thoroughly. So we're really trying to create this like, it actually, actually covers the entirety of the intent. If somebody read it all the way through, because I believe humans inform the babies in the background here, um, that humans inform the, the robots, basically. So Pareto's principle, right? The 80%, how do you get 80% of the result, 20% yes. of the work? So isn't it really, therefore, we're just taking um, the best shingles, the they ask you answer, right? Yeah. So the best competitors in my area, who are right for, who are not for, right yeah. for, like, let's say that's your SEO approach. Yeah, I'm not I, saying it is, no, no, but, I'm saying, think, but I'm saying it is, let, yeah. me, let me finish my point. Yeah. We're doing that same blog post, right? Or it could be best shingles or best sure. roofers in my area, whatever it is. We're doing the same blog post that we did in Wisconsin or in like a city in Wisconsin and a city like yes. Omaha, Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, sure. you know, yeah. San Antonio, Texas. We're doing the same blog post over and over and over again, just enough to not trip out the the plagiarism checker, right? The mm -hmm. duplicate content thing. But really, like how many questions fulfill the intent of like how many questions are there really for us to answer as roofers? Yeah. Right. If uh, that say, I want to fulfill the intent of I'm looking for a roofer in my area. And how many real different ways is there to satisfy that intent? Ideologically, you want to pro yes. provide value to the human, but you're met. You're not measured on yeah. the on you know Tom Roofer's ability to fulfill the intent of a homeowner looking to how to install a shingle. Sure. But if you write a blog, how to install a shingle, you might get them leads, which is what you're yeah, compensated to do. And I don't, yeah, I don't even look at that as a lead gen thing. If they did that, like, let's say you did a blog post, let's say it's you doing your SEO and you did a blog post about the proper way to install a shingle. One, it's kind of a social proof thing. If they saw that blog on social, they're like, Oh, this, this guy cares. But it's also like, if you have the blog, if you have, let's say, five out of 50 blog posts that take off mm -hmm. and are actually ranking high, like we have customers ranking like in the top three for just roofing materials, then the intention around that, it's not the main thing that we're trying to do, but the intention around that, if it does happen, is to essentially buoy the other content on their website by Google looking at this website as a resource. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I look at it, is that these other things, when they do take off, because we do blog for people, um, buoy their website as a, as a topical authority. And so we're kind of creating some authority there. It is kind of a miscellaneous, it's that 80, sometimes it's not the main thing. 
the main but thing that goes back to, to like yeah. again we're using yeah. the robots upvote yeah. to buoy the rest sure. of the content of the website yeah because really what we want is for a customer who googles something about roofing in my area to go to that yes. contact form and submit a lead and that's why like if you don't you know you're not trying to go hard as hard as we go sometimes for our clients it's like you do want those location landing pages you want those that's like I say play small ball to win big. That's one of the small ball things, like location, suburbs, even the small ones, like easy to rank for, right? Mm -hmm. So small suburb location landing pages. And then like any topics that are like in the area, like I we do bars sometimes. We'll do like, you know, like best things to do. Stuff like that can actually really like help for the local authority. It's kind of creating that like topical authority around the city name. So then again, you're writing about a roofing company writing about the best places to eat yeah. in Wichita. Yeah, right. It might it might and be it a little nice to have, but it's like it's also like it's ultimately like if we can rank that and trying to get some local authority, it's kind of like it's kind of like a billboard move. You know what I mean? That that one's like a little bit like oh now this roofing company is writing about best places to eat, but it's not a hard one to rank for. That's why you would potentially go after stuff like that because it's easier to rank for. But then again, it's it's yeah. it's it, like that's where my thing yeah. comes in. It's like you're not fo like nowhere in like the they like in, like let's they take the answer. answer. Yeah. I love nobody the answer, by the way. nobody asked a roofer what the best place to have breakfast is in yeah. Wichita, yeah. but. I don't know. Is Wichita a place? But it'd be really easy to rank for. But so so yeah. then yeah. you're writing for the robots to buoy Kansas. the content to get is it's Kansas. Okay. Yeah. So then, so that's what I what I mean. So then there it definitely is for robots. Like yeah. to be clear, we're understanding how the robot eats, and then the we from my point of view, we believe that humans are part of what human behavior mm -hmm. is part of what informs that robots. Hard to, what's yeah, perception? you're talking about the time on site, perception, you're talking about yes, conversion rate, like so conversion the other rate. thing that happens yeah. on the website. User behavior. Right, this is user behavior yeah. on the website combined with writing for robots to get the upvote. So you write for the robots, you get the upvote, you show up higher on the search results, and then if, if, if Google the user behavior isn't there, yes. if it sees that the intent is not fulfilled, then you go down again. Right, so you, what it's basically doing is it's saying, I give you a vote and an opportunity to show up for a person. And if yeah. you show up for a person and the user behavior confirms our hypothesis, yeah. which is that this is valuable content yeah. from, a value, from a site that will fulfill the intent, then we'll solidify it and give you a domain authority point. Yes, and there is a little bit of complexity around this because there's differences of opinion in the mm -hmm. SEO community. Of course, yeah, you have to be careful of all the other SEO there, guys. That are there is certainly, like, like, and ultimately, that one complexity there that is kind of fun to talk about is a lot of those people actually say that user behavior has nothing to do with it. So that's an important, that is an important caveat. Because See, I, I feel yeah. like, I, I, I feel like user behavior, if not, it should, because... Mm -hmm. You know, way back in the, the day click. when I cared about the this, does, I, sure. I was always concerned with yeah. trying to get people to get a second page visit yeah. and trying to get people to stay on the site and watching like a video. Like I took sacrifices on time on, on page speed mm -hmm. for an user for user experience for an informative infographic video yes. because it kept time on site. That's and a really good got, point to talk about. I think just to kind of wrap up this conversation is. I always think about those two things together. That's that's been since the inception of this business, it's been that back and forth between we want the user experience to be very high, and we want Google to like it. Like, and we need both. I'm gonna um, get Tim to go look at my website and see what he would do with mine. Totally out of out of the market. So I'm not I, his ideal customer avatar. But that me being said, like sometimes it's like 
should we include this video? Like a tactical decision is, should we include this video on the homepage? Even though it increases our time on site a half a second, let's just say. And really the question is, is it design? Is it fancy? Or is it actually informing the buyer behavior? Like, is it going to essentially sell somebody? And that should be the way you make that decision is, is it's a half a second, but if this person watches this video, like this is potentially gonna help them make a better buying decision and they actually, so really, you know, you kind of have to factor those things together. And I think ultimately, um, what, what if yeah. the video qualified your customer a little bit better, but reduced the total lead volume? So you got a more yeah, qualified customer. That's, that's a deeper question. And I think um, ultimately that is that is what we do, like on our website, like with the, the ask you answer thing is like, we know that sometimes people watch a video, a customer I want, mm -hmm. that I just talked to recently. I'm hoping to work with you, bro. Um, said that we decided not to work with you because of a video on your site. And at this time, based on the fact that you don't solve the need that we have at this exact moment. And ultimately, even though it hurts a little bit, I have to say that is basically what the video's point is. The, mm -hmm. the point is, is like, if it's not the right time, and it hurts, like basically you can only do this once you start to have such yeah, lead it, volume. The, it feels like it bit you in the ass because then it didn't have the perfect intended circumstance. But the other five times, it yeah. works perfectly because it, it's rooting yeah. out the crap. It's rooting out the crap, 100%. And people come in more ready to buy. Mm. Like you're trying to get, like he calls it, what, the 80% video or something? We're trying to get them to 80%. Um, not just come in and like people have a lot less questions. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to do data on this stuff, but it is really, it feels very true. Once you create these videos for the top seven questions in the sales process and put them onto the website, including pricing and why are you more expensive? Then people start to be much more ready to buy and you have less trash well, customers. That was what I dealt with when I was trying to grow a roofing company was I said, I wanted my leads to come in, I wanted Bob and Betty, who are between um, 35 and 55 years old, who were a married couple with teenagers living in the home. They lived in a suburban house with two stories, a 612 pitch. They were either um, like civil service workers, like government, military, police, cops, professionals, like business owners, or, um, or professionals, or business owners, mm -hmm. right? Um, professionals being teacher, dentist, doctor, or business owners, because I felt like and I, everything about what I did was to try and attract that exact customer because what I didn't want to have was Joe Mechanic phone me and then they look at everything on the roof through the lens of, I'm a mechanic, they pay me $45 an hour, the shop charges me out at 145 If I could just find, I, you know, these customers are paying an extra $115 or whatever to get me when if they just came to me at my shop at home, I could charge them 60 and make $15 more an hour. I should just try and find the guy that this sales guy is hiring to do this roof work and I'm not gonna pay the sales guy. Ultimately, the customer knows that they're paying that. But then your professional or your lawyer, you know, or your, or your business owner, they understand risk, right? Mm -hmm. They understand that like there's a management infrastructure in place. They understand that there's a chain of command that makes an organization strong. That's what police, military, business owners, and professionals understand. And that those the components are necessary. I wanted the 612 roof because I wanted it to be steep enough that 
People were concerned about property damage. People were concerned about safety. A 412 single story bungalow trailer double wide, nobody gives a shit because they, they think of it as easy. RoofCon's amazing. Getting to see all the speakers like Nick and Eric and especially Tim Tebow. Very exciting and eye-opening. Amazing speakers and great knowledge. Keep it up. First RoofCon, been following Hunter and the Revolt Clan for quite some time. And it's definitely been a lot more than what we expected. RoofCon 2023 returns to Orlando, Florida, November 9th through the 11th. Get your tickets at RoofCon.com. I wanted the teenage kids living in the home because I wanted it so that the homeowner looked at it through the lens of like, I'm going to be here for a while because I don't want to uproot my kids. So this is a roof that I'm going to be the main beneficiary of. Can I ask you, I know that I'm cutting you off, but I, I want to kind of like get to the, the core of the topic around content. Is the... The, the did it change the way you were writing on the website? It changed everything about how we did it because yeah. I wanted, we made the phone number deliberately hard to find. Yeah. We made the contact us button very small, yeah. right? We went from having a big form right center page that said name, email, guaranteed, uh, guaranteed response time went from two hours to five minutes over the course yeah. of time as the standards got better. Um, but I can't believe there used to be a time when guaranteed two hour response time was considered good. Yeah. That was a time when it was. But that was the idea, I, is that we I switched. Feel like it's still kind of good, dude, to be honest. Dude, like so, that's average, terrible. Yeah, yeah. So average. we switched. That's why eighty percent of them don't deserve to exist. But oh god, <laughs> he, has to, he has to say it. So then, um, or twenty percent of roofers deserve to be highly successful. How about, is that go. better like branding? That. That's better. That's it's more better. positive. Yeah. Um, but the 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 um though so my intention with everything we did was that we wanted to make it hard for people to find the contact us button mm -hmm. that they were forced to explore the website a bit because they would get to know who we are and everything about our marketing spoke to that person the people in the videos looked like those people the houses that were looked like those types of houses um because we even got to the point of figuring out that un or sorry landscaped homes without fences between the property lines close at a higher rate and a higher dollar per square amount than houses with one or the other or both. So if they had a fence or they had no landscaping. Where, you, where or, were you getting all this data from? We would, cam we would use company cam to create tags. Then those tags, we use Zapier mm. to send those tags into tags in the CRM. And then we reported on revenue per square divided by this tag, revenue per square divided by this tag. And found that a fence or landscaping didn't make a difference, but no fence and nice landscaping um, made a big difference in per square rate and closing rates because then you have a community effect with the neighbor yeah and you feel like you have a, a more responsibility like they're the ones where it's like hey charles you gonna get that weed i don't want that uh coming over here on our side you know what i mean like when yeah. you have when you don't have that you have a community effect with your neighbor so you don't want the shingle wrappers blowing into your neighbors or do you feel connect more connected to your neighbor because you're on that fence and the nice landscaping implies that they take pride in their property and mm -hmm. so those two things made a difference. So when considering that we always, and still to this very day, the company that I was helping grow had difficulty getting all the work done. We wanted the best work possible mm -hmm. at the close, yeah. the highest rates and everything like that, because we couldn't get all the work done. But I think eventually you get to a size of a company, like now the companies that we help, I mean, they're like, they got, do they have a land title and $12,000? We want them. You yeah. I mean? Like they don't care. Yeah. So I like, think when, like, when does that line know, happen? Yeah. Just to know, like, I believe more prominent call to actions because I, so I want to kind of say to my audience, like we really believe in that prominent call to action thing. And then, but ultimately you need better sales processes in place to filter shitty leads. Like mm -hmm. I just want to see that lead at least and to be able to make a decision myself. Of course, because you know? you're measured 
by your clients. Yes, on, I, I paid you money, yeah. Tim, and how many leads did I get? Yeah. In my case, it was, I'm doing the work, I'm running the sales, mm -hmm. I'm passing this work off to production, yeah. and I'm getting paid on the work. Yeah. So therefore, I only wanted to drive to the houses that were Bob and Betty, mm -hmm. married, two teenage kids living in the home, 612 roofer steeper, a larger suburban style home, where they were a professional doctor, dentist, lawyer, business owner, civil service worker, because I was the one to do it. But so in that case, I wasn't concerned with like doing five leads because I wasn't concerned with trying to fill my salespeople. I was yeah. trying to make, it was much more personalized. So I'm not saying that call to action no, should think, be hidden. No, no, yeah. It was my circumstance for I my think, situation. You know, we've kind of covered the topic a little bit of like, is content for robots or humans. Mm. We're also starting to get into the topic well, we talked about um, they ask you answer principles and how to use them to filter. Mm -hmm. And I think we're getting into this topic of the tension between production and sales mm -hmm. and when to let it out. Because mm -hmm. we were just talking about this earlier. Like, I like to be at that 80% of people are not a good fit for us, mm -hmm. but that top 20%. Weird, and 80% of roofing companies don't deserve to exist. I exactly, wonder. I want so those 20, 20%. 20% yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also like, you think about it, like there's 110,000 roofing companies in the United States, but like up to 70 or 80% of them are under 1 million. And that's not, that's not to say that those people aren't gonna get up there, mm -hmm. but it is sometimes it's just easier to qualify that way because it's ultimately like, you and I, let's say, let's say it's a, what, what is your bottom end of your customer usually on, on revenue side? Five million, let's say. Let's say five million. Um, but you still, from that five million up, sometimes are doing a little bit of a shark tank, like with them. You know what I mean? You're kind of yeah. saying like, is from this person going to... From, from five to 10, we, yeah. have, we ask a lot more questions. You're kind of saying like, At 10, do I believe these less. guys are going to be successful? Because you and I both know sometimes like when they're not... You can, get lucky. you can get lucky and do $5 million in sales. You could also like end up with this negative experience as a service provider where they're actually blaming something that went wrong on you. Yeah. So like you have the little bit sharp, like are you taking full responsibility? For, like let's say they're up to f 5 to $10 million and you're saying, are you taking full responsibility for everything that happens here? I'm going to help help you and I think I can help you get to 10. Mm -hmm. But like you're going to take full responsibility. I'm going to help. And like, are you kind of headed upwards anyways? Like ultimately I'm kind of looking for people that are kind of like moving or, or they're moving towards their ideal. Mm -hmm. Maybe their ideal seven and they have just a lot of time freedom. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, are you moving towards it anyways? Cause I don't want you, if you're like, if you're at seven and you're going to five and you kind of like, like blaming other people. You know yeah. We I mean? have like, a blog post that's literally called bad fit clients and it says in there, if like if you're blaming other people for your problems in your business, like you're probably a bad fit client because they're gonna blame us. Like that, that's some of the times like with agencies, like I definitely understand. You can have one, two, three bad agencies, but like if you've had five in the last two years and, they and, all you're, suck, mad, and you're mad at all of them. It's another point on the list. It's like, if everybody else before us sucked, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. That's like, where I get that's where I struggle with. Cause I, no offense, you have five agencies that so let me understand this. You have five agencies, they all sucked, and you're like you haven't changed anything wildly about the way you're hiring, like mm -hmm. in hiring agencies. Like ultimately, if I have five bad employees in the same role, I would look in, at myself and I'd do some deep self-reflection and say, Tim, 
you really are not doing this right. <laughs> like, that's the way I'd look at it. Like, I'd have one or two, if I had two bad employees in the same role in a row, I'd say there's something that probably needs to change in this environment. Yeah, you're right. And I think, like, ultimately, that's the way I'd look at it with this, with hiring outside um, resources. But, like, so we are, sorry, that was a diversion. We were talking about that. You want to have criteria, right, for your ideal customer. But how stringent do you want that, that criteria to be? So if we're going from content writing to they ask you answer to, to we're trying to get some filtering and marketing. You don't want it to be too crazy stringent, right? Like if you, you probably should grow. I think that you, you, like the lazy answer is whatever the market will bear. But there is some, some truth in it, which is that you always have this. I think that a lot of service providers, whether it be roofers, marketers, whatever, they and I've recently had to learn this lesson my, in my own business in the last year or so. Um, and I really solidified it when I interviewed Brennan from Capilli about his six month backlog, um, because I got really uncomfortable at the point of having like a six week backlog. Mm-hmm. And so I think that really it's about measuring your run rate and your sales rate, right? So like rolling 30 day sales and then your run rate as far as income being generated. So if you're generating, you know, a million in sales a month, but you're burning off, um, 800,000, well, then you're accumulating $200,000 a month in backlog, right? Mm-hmm. And where does that rolling 30-day sales go down? Is it once you get to a two-month backlog, a three-month backlog, a six-month backlog, right? And um, and then you really start to measure those numbers, and that is going to ultimately indicate what the answer is. So for us, like, if we're past two months, it will definitely affect our sales, probably. Right, and so then that's the backlog but that you well, want. But for a roofer, it's probably more like six months. Well, I mean, I think that a mixture, a roofer with a mixture of um, of different types of commercial work, like state, federal, private, competitive low bid, and maintenance, combined with retail, you can manage a six month backlog because you know commercial clients are going to wait longer because they, you know, that's just part of their performance period. They just mm-hmm. define that their performance period is between April and August of you know, 2023. And that's mm-hmm. when this has to be done by. And then the, it's up to the contractor to figure out when to get it done. Yeah. Whereas like new construction, it's like, get in there now. We need, we need to get our, mm-hmm. you know, we need to get our next draw of money for like, basically when they get waterproof, they get another draw of money and then like they mm-hmm. get the lock up and then they, like they have these different stages yeah. and then like homeowners want it done now. And so you have to have, be able to fill in, right? You have to fill in like small work and big work, but I think that that's where knowing the numbers is really important. So the, the lazy answer is whatever the market will bear. The detailed look at it is looking at running, rolling 30-day sales, close rate, right, um, and burn rate, right? The what burn. about the people that just don't want to grow? You have no judgment for those people? Like, let's say you're at $1.2 million roofing company and you're just like, I want to be this size and I don't want to hire. I think that that, that I mean... I don't have a judgment for them. I just also don't have anything to do for them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, I feel the yeah. same way. Same. It's like, they're just, it's like, that's that's cool. And like, I, I know a guy who's like between 1.2 and 2 million. He, he inquired with us on some stuff. The guy's a loose cannon. You know what I mean? He's kind of mm-hmm. like, hey man, totally ready to go. Want to do it. Then you message him the next day. Nothing. You message him two days later. He's like, bro, why are you following up with me? I'm going on vacation. You're like, why'd I even bother? Ultimately, you know? like, like, I, ch- I tried to. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know if this is the right thing, but I try to like motivate some people sometimes because I'm like, if you really think you're the best, like if you think you're really good, I, I no, no, I, yeah, it's you should grow. It's like if you, you should you, grow. A, a business is either growing or dying. If you're not yeah. growing, you're dying because someone else is waking up every day trying to kick your ass. The problem is that in the roofing industry, you can get away with it because it 
for soul, it's like real estate before 2008. It never, it went up all the time, constantly for a hundred years. So therefore it was always going to go up and it was impossible for people to conceive the idea that real estate would go down 30, 50%. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't exist in people's paradigms. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a roofer, you can, you can sit there and do 1.2 million for 30 years, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can be able to do it for another 30 years. I mean, maybe in a little tiny rural town in the middle of nowhere where you're the crumb that nobody wants to bother step, you know, bending over to pick up and eat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you're walking from breakfast to lunch, you know what I mean? And you know you're going to eat well at breakfast and you're going to eat well at lunch, are you really going to bend over to pick up a crumb off the ground? It takes more effort and calories to pick up the crumb off the ground. So if you're in some like tiny little town, I, like, I always say Wichita because it sounds like a tiny little small town that nobody's heard of. Mm-hmm. But if you're, in, like, if you're in a rural area, 35 minutes outside of Wichita, yeah, you could probably do a million dollars a year taking care of your local market. You're like the guy. You're a roofer Dan. You know what I mean? Yeah, then you can do it. I but tend you, to like really root for these guys too. Like I just ultimately, of course, you can't help. I'm rooting for you to grow. You, 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 you're and I a champion of the underdog on yeah. your. I just can't wall. root for you to grow if you don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, and I kind of don't want to root for you anymore. To be to be honest with you, I don't know why that it, my brain is like that. But if you don't want to grow, I'm kind of like, why do you suck? Like, if you suck, then I don't think you should exist. It's because they're they're des- I believe that their thing is. Right. We have to understand, like, like, or I guess we have to be understanding as business owners that that there are self-employed people and there are business owners. And yes. having a tax ID doesn't make you a business owner. And ultimately, owner. I am jealous of them sometimes. If I'm really like, because if you're really a self-employed person, like that, that's you're self-employed, you do 1.2. Your margins are generally pretty good, probably. Yeah, you're probably your gross margins are pretty close to your net profits. And then it's like, why does it matter, really? Because I... Why, You're probably why making three hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, why do I care? That's like what I make, and my wife, my wife and I make. So who cares? Right, and it's because it's about purpose. It's you know how they talk about mission, mission, vision, values, yeah. purpose. You know, impact over income, blah, all this stuff. Like Maybe I've bought into of, all this stuff too. Right, much. You're, you've bought into that. Now I wouldn't say too much. I would just say that if if you had a natural happiness set point, you know just based on your chemical right yeah like just like basically you're biologically set at a certain happiness set point some people are just they can get to they can control their happiness about 40 percent and then the rest is biological set point right Mm -hmm. so you can always get over 50 percent happy but it's like you have a certain biological set point then yes environment does play a role right and in how happy you are and then from there everything between stimulus and, and 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 decision is choice and if you and if the thing that motivates your choice is when you look out of the room and you see that those people are you know have found a place where they get to feel community a sense of empowerment a sense of purpose a sense of self-dignity self sense of self-actualization and then if you see if you get a high off of yes. like the customers one i do and i do and i do with the customers too like if their business is growing like so i feel like i'm like we're doing an actual good service that's above the market average you know like so ultimately it's those both of those are like purpose yeah so then you have activation. a fiduciary and yeah. a moral obligation to your clients to bully that guy for his lunch money yeah. because he doesn't want to grow and you, therefore that business is better off in your client's hands. And roofers, like if you have, if you feel like your processes lead to better work for homeowners and you've seen homeowners get taken advantage of by... Yeah, but the $1.2 million guy is going to argue that he's better because he's up on the roof. And he, well, he, some of them are he, not. You know what I mean? Of like, course, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I've... But they would, but the thing is, is their minds will stop accepting the information in this video the yeah. minute you say that. Yeah. And so what they what, probably won't watch we're this. really, they, it's true, they probably won't, especially not this far. But if you happen to clip it up, right? And so that, that smaller guy, he believes that he's the best 
choice for that homeowner, and he may very well be. The issue therefore becomes is the is the homeowner and the community and the um, and the greater good of like everybody in the marketplace better served by him existing because he's kind of creating scarcity for others who are trying to grow because he's gobbling up when he should really just be an employee of those mm -hmm. other companies. And he would be a very great employee, but because he wants to control, he wants to make 300,000 a year only helping 45 people a year get a roof, mm -hmm. right? And those 45 people, the minute he stops, he's gone. He's never gonna answer their phone call again. Which, which ultimately is a little bit of like a, a liability to every customer you have. Mm. So if you don't create something that lasts beyond you or that could exist beyond you after you pass away, which you will, yep. then you are kind of creating a liability for every single one of your customers. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, oh, my roofs don't leak. You know what I mean? They'll say that. Yeah, but right? they don't leak for a while. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole idea. And and it's I think that this is just the invisible hand of capitalism will mm -hmm. cast their vote because I think what we're starting to see is we're, we're starting to see to the point where some companies will be able to seek to charge less rather than to charge more as a method of growth, yeah. right? And when that when that market shift happens, it's gonna be troublesome for those guys because those guys believe that they should be getting more more money for what they're doing because it's a hard job. So they can't do that shift. They can't go, oh, well, that that roof was 18 last year. I'm not gonna do 17 this year, even though it's not Angie roofing. Apparently, they're they're getting rid of that. Um, section of the business supposedly mm -hmm. i saw i saw a recent annou announcement that they're getting rid of that by the way but amazon roofing or whoever um is doing 17k roof why is that profitable for them or why would they ever do that mm -hmm. and they're just like i won't yeah and so then they start to like lose market share okay i didn't realize yeah. that was what kind of what you think was going to happen i think that that's what's going to happen is that you're going to see somebody seek to charge less, mm -hmm. right? You're just like, there's two kinds of businesses. Customers, you businesses seek to charge their customers more and businesses seek to charge their customers less. And there's ego wrapped up in charging more and there's and there's dignity wrapped up in charging less. You want to be have a virtuous cycle of price where you still feel like you're getting value for your dollar and your people feel like their time is being valuable mm -hmm. and that they're being compensated appropriately. But there is a terminal growth rate that comes mm -hmm. and eventually... Um, you want to make sure that you gobble up as much, much market share as possible while making it profitable, while giving customers the best experience. It's all, these are the kind of things that most business owners don't have the time to think about because they're too busy trying to think, hmm, I should try and make my own button and I got to go run out and sell my own roof and I'm going to order my own material because it saves me mm -hmm. a couple of grand a month on a production manager. I Those guys, my own SEO, make my own website. yeah, yeah, cowboy coder, right? <laughs> so, I mean, they like, it's like you got, you, you, you those companies are spending the time to actually do the analysis, yeah. right? There's real business owners coming into the market. Um, I keep clicking this, I know it's gonna be super loud in the video, <laughs> but um, there's real business owners coming into the roofing space. There's mm -hmm. real people, like in, in COVID, for some reason, a bunch of really smart people started looking around saying like, how's this changing the marketplace? And they went, holy crap, building materials are up, and yet home starts aren't slowing down that much? Hmm. And they went, so how much are these guys making? And they started looking at businesses and they went, oh, HVAC's pretty consolidated, all right. And then they went, ah, oh, concrete, that's a very, very, lot of capital expenditure to get into that. And they like stumbled across roofing and they went, that looks pretty good. And they're like, well, let's go talk to who's in the roofing industry. And they were like, these morons are making 45% gross margins and they don't know their ass from an elbow. <laughs> and now they went, 
we got to get into this and you're seeing it and i'm not saying that that's everybody i'm just yeah. saying that if you look around for a little bit of time you you can't help but run across a few idiots who are doing really 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 good and that haven't necessarily got the business acumen to be doing really really good and so then there's other business people who are like we could come in here and just gobble this up i mean i've run a business where we grew we grew market share at 30 percent gross profit all we got to do is just increase the efficiency of the business i gotta be the the uh, other perspective here on this one like think about the uh i do think there's more complexity in this than some of these you know like money people saw from the high level it's not the same as hvac in certain ways it's not you know with hvac you're selling boxes this is the, the kind of the way they say that right and um with roofing there is i'm not saying it's like the most complex thing ever but the install is pretty involved and the management of those installs like they can go off you know if you don't have the right labor stuff can go bad you can lose your ass so there is some like to scale that out the management of that labor and to make sure that it's done in a way that doesn't affect your reputation negatively essentially like that i think there is some complexity there that's like maybe a little bit more complex than the purely money guys fully recognize and there's some complexity around if you're trying to compete we've talked about this so many times now because of all the like panels and nobody's and watched it all yeah no one's watched it all but i will say that there's like this element of like that local brand if you can nail it to kind of create moat contractors love the catch-all because it makes every single one of their roof builds easier and more profitable protective netting wraps facade and landscaping to prevent from left behind nails and damage homeowner referrals bring you more jobs and insurance supplements bring you more profits but my favorite part the branding all i'm saying is that there's 107,000 roofing companies in the market yeah. and there's two people that you can use for FedEx and UPS. There's five auto mm -hmm. manufacturers. Yeah. There's four or five mm -hmm. airlines with a couple of subsidiaries. And there's certainly there's a lot of complexity to those only. businesses. Yes, yeah. huge amounts of complexity to those businesses, right? I mean, huge amounts of liability. Crashing planes can make things go really wrong, right? Yeah. Not delivering packages can cause people to die. I had medication delivered to me in Minneapolis from a doctor in San Antonio, and that medication has to be refrigerated, and that whole thing was able to coordinate it on time because if I don't get that medicine, my, my health could go bad. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's complexity. And so when you look at like the top 25 count, and this is something we haven't talked about, but like I recently revisited our, cause we do our quarterly reviews of our rocks and stuff like that. And our mission statement is we wanna solve for the minimum viable number of competitors that need to exist in a given market and a given industry um, to maximize the efficiency for the customer and the profit for the business. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like- I think my number on that is higher. Than yeah. A lot of the ones that you said, I would say like 5,000. Sure. Minimum right. 5,000 roofing companies in the United States. That would be my guess. And that's a, that's a question I I've believe answered. that that like local market complexity and stuff like that is I, I think there's ideally more than a lot of the guesses underneath your thing were like 300 or 30 or something like that. And I, I tend to think it's higher. For sure. You got a big country, right? Yeah. Right. You got a big country spread of population. But and it's good to have competition. I'm not saying it's not. So good that is Everybody thinks like I'm you know going what? like I a socialist, hear, right? I want to hear what you really have to think about. Do you think it's good to have competition? I'm picking just Adam Sand's brain about random topics now. Yes, absolutely. I think it's good to have competition, right? Yeah. I think the competition improves the market, but I think that um, eventually a consolidation of labor markets reduces the cost of labor, which nobody loves because that reduces the cost of job paying jobs. 
But then I think that as you create labor market efficiency, then you can invest in technology. The cost is pretty low right now, though. The actual labor cost seems pretty low on roofing. Like you've got such a like a you got the subcontractors a lot of times and you've got like this like it's not they're not getting paid an insane amount. I, I think that it's artificially low because we're allowing this. You know, not I shouldn't say alliance. The subcontractor world and the uh, there's other problems in play there, right? Like the fact that the bulk I would it, think that would the go bulk, up. The bulk, you, I think it will go up after it goes down, right? But I think that you're going to see technology and efficiency, and I think you're going to see unionization, right? Because then, whenever the labor market goes down, then you create unions. Then unions come up, increase the cost of labor. Mm-hmm. But as well, I was thinking, the, there's labor unions in like all the other niches, right? And then you get unit economics of the business coming down to allow to pay more for the labor. So I think that there's a cycle that mm. will, that has come to industries like this where the labor will get a bigger proportion of the share because the business operates at a lower cost. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like that would be uh, like, cause ultimately I don't think you can get that much cheaper right now with labor. No, you, you could get cheaper just from suppressing labor. Like if you look, you know, we, I don't like, I've interviewed some big companies that'll name nameless because I don't want them to get mad at me for saying this, but no, no, we you know go there, but they, yeah. I go there and they say, I say like, what are your rates? And they're like, oh, well, we actually pay a little bit less, but they always know there's work and they can always come in here and get to work whenever they want. And we're always booked out and we always pay on time. And then there's smaller companies that, well, we pay a lot more because we believe the roofers should get more, but they're also giving them a job here and a job here and a job there. And they're yeah. paying them late. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's like. There's there's the, this ebb and flow of the market, and then the roofing labor is forced to try and find their way through that and navigate through that. Mm. And I believe that in the so big inconvenience with some of that, right? Yeah. And I yeah. also believe that in a, a business, in a business, there's also three costs that I think are discretionary in a be, in a bit more efficient marketplace. Yeah. So I don't think that 50 roofing companies paying this is not necessarily so friendly to you, but I don't think that 50 roofing companies paying hook agency roofer marketers in Ascend Digital $5,000 a month to present their unique market approach, which is that we sell the same shingles installed the same way, using the same tools by the same people in the same amount of time for more or less the same price, but we care and we have integrity and we believe in customer service, Mm -hmm. okay? So same messaging, right? And those 30 roofing companies or 50 roofing companies paying $5,000 a month for that, they're also paying $5,000 a month for a production manager to run three crews, and they're also paying $5,000 a month for a bookkeeper to keep the math straight. And I think that if you look at the top 25 counties in the U.S. represent 97 million, uh, uh, 97 million people in the population, they're, the top 15 have over a million, right? And then mm-hmm. the top 25 represent 97 million total. And... Um, the geographic area of that is basically the East Coast, Texas, and like the East and South, and then basically Los Angeles, Nevada, Las Vegas, Denver, Seattle, right? And then the rest of the country is the, all the rest, right? Mm-hmm. And so those top 25 counties, 97 million people divided by four people for average size of a household, you're looking at 24.7 million homes. 60% home ownership rate, you're looking at like 17 million houses, 17 million houses getting roofs done every 20 years is a $10 billion per year market cap. Right, yeah. that's just residential. Just let me finish my point here. Of those companies, if you divide that up by the companies that exist to serve that right now, there's $15,000 a month in income that the customer ultimately has to pay for. It represents 5% with their marketing. It represents one or 2% right with their or you know, one or two to five percent with their production manager, and roughly the same thing with their um, with their bookkeeper, 
And if you were to collapse those three costs and do that in 30 markets and consolidate 30 companies, it's a $1.5 billion a year savings. Yeah, you know, let's say you took marketing in-house though, you're still gonna, you're just gonna have to, like, let's say you took five, you have one employee but you with could a have, small company and you have five employees with the big company. Like there's not that much savings. Well, if you, if you take 30 companies and consolidate from 30 employees down to five, that's a huge savings. Why? Because 30 employees is less than five employees. Yeah, but I'm just saying like, there's still gotta be the work getting done at some place. For sure, it just it just gets more efficient. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. with things like AI, where you can say, make this local placement are... page for this for yeah. these 38 counties, make these make these local content pages or something. I right? think that like there's this element of like efficiency when you're talking about the small, like I think about small market roofing companies, for instance. Like, but we're talking about the top 25 yeah. counties in the country yeah. that represent 97 million population. I'm not sure. talking about the, the, the crumb in, 40 miles out of Wichita. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm thinking, so for instance, I'm thinking about La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, you have a roofing company there that like ultimately if some other entity tried to come in, they wouldn't understand. And you might call that a crumb. I guess it's maybe that's the real differentiation could be. Cause like ultimately I don't think of it as a crumb of business. It's a, you know, $10 million roofing company, but it's. But that guy's not a crumb. That guy owns his market. Yeah. Right. I've got, you know, I, I've worked with clients like that tiny little town, 8,000 people doing 10 million a year. That market's a crumb to that other company because it would be expensive to, yeah. it'd be more expensive to compete with that guy than to acquire, than to acquire. So yeah. then he, they would probably either acquire him yeah. or just leave him. Yeah, yeah. And go after, go after the $10 billion yeah. that exists in those 25 counties. Because like what we're thinking is 10 million is huge, but when you multiply this by 107,000 companies, and sure the bottom 90% are doing a million, right, or less, and then the top, and then the top, what were the top 100 are doing between 20 and like whatever the top number is now, 500 mm -hmm. or something, right? So like you're basically your top 100 is 20 and under, and I think that one in three reports, so you're probably looking at the top 300 fit that dispersion mm -hmm. of like huge down to the minimum 20 million. I think you have basically, if you report 20 million, you break into the NRCA top 100. If you look at number yeah, one. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? It's like, But I know companies that are above that that don't report. Right? Like, like as far as like, I'm not saying that the top 100, but like residential, I think it's like the fifth one down or something that does any residential. And then it's like, so the real top 100 of residential roofing companies is like, probably would be like 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of so, crazy, man. Right. And so we already see this. And then many of those companies are actually using the labor from the other companies. So we're already seeing that like the bottom nine, the bottom 1% are really just registered roofing companies working for the top 1%, hmm. right? Because they're just the labor component, but they also do five roofs on their own. I think it's like the line is like 10, I think, I think that it's $10,000 a year. So like to be registered as a roofing company, mm -hmm. you have to like do $10,000 in your roofing work. So it doesn't even matter. So the bottom 1%, are not selling their own roof work, right? Mm -hmm. They're just selling a roof here and there, right? Mm -hmm. As general contractors or something like that. So maybe it's like 60,000 roofing companies currently exist and maybe that could collapse down to 5,000 of which there'd be 25 huge ones and 59, 75, you know, crumbs, right? Do you ever, let's just talk about Adam Sand's brain for a second. How often do you find yourself having to take your level of sophistication that you feel as 
electricity in your brain and have to bring it down and be honest um, to the person that you're talking to? How often are you doing that? <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like I'm able to kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of like, you, you don't know the topic unless you can explain to a Cocker Spaniel, Yeah. right? Like if I can't simplify it, right? So I, I'm constantly living in two worlds. On one hand, I got to be able to break this down in such a way that like, you can explain it in simple terms mm -hmm. that everybody can understand it because then you're providing value. But at the same time, I have to start at the high level thinking. And I, and, and so I try and get You myself, do a lot of your thinking out loud, right? Yeah. Same. Yeah. So I, I, I have to talk about it with other people yeah. and I put, try and put myself in rooms with people who are way smarter than me so that like, I'm like the chimpanzee in the room. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I try and bring that back to the market so that I can bring value. So I, I kind of have to think out loud at, at, at these, like, you know, whatever, when people say Adam's smart like that, I hate that because I just, I know so many people are way smarter than me mm -hmm. and they're like, Name a few. Um, Michael Moran, who works for, for Dimitri, right? He's yeah. like, he knows, he knows so much shit that I don't know. Right. Brennan, one of my clients, Brian, another one of my clients, Dante, Brian, Brian. Brian Tice, he owns uh, Roofing USA. He's like Stanford graduate. Yeah, and Dante's. Dante, he's Ryan Roofers. He's so like, like, these guys are way smarter than me, yeah. right? Um, even Dustin Bigler, so he always you, points yeah. at me and says, oh, smartest guy. And I'm like, yeah. well, no, but you know how to simplify. Yeah. Right? And he, I mean, what he knows about mergers and acquisitions, and then there's not just smarts, but there's experience, right? And then there's, yeah. this, and then, then there's the whole, like, state of California, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Well, like all Silicon Valley people. Oh, who know, like, yeah, yeah. And then there's technical skill but sets roofing, as well. Like, and ultimately, like, and there's an element of like being able to synthesize all this information and apply it based on the context to somebody's situation, which is incredibly valuable, right? Like, I think that that's really what it is because at, at a certain level, advice. Um, General advice. Doesn't matter. You, it's like a boat. It's like a boat. What's, what's Hormozzi's YouTube channel has an insane amount of general advice but like unless you had somebody in the room with you saying like do this yeah because it's like when you're when you're at a certain point in business advice is like a boat right it's just like you're it's like advice advice is like navigating a boat by the stars right mm -hmm. where it's like you got a general idea as to where you're going and any particular movements of the rudder don't really move you off course too much mm -hmm. but like when we were talking about some of the stuff in your business your business is operating at a fairly high level and at at some point if you make drastic change, right, or take advice, it's like um, a race car. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you've got traction in your business and you make a decision to go left, it's like, and you go like that way, mm -hmm. and next thing you know, you're crashing into a wall, mm -hmm. right? So it's so all of a sudden, it it, it pays to have context and oh, yeah. um, and experience to to add um, resolution to the advice yeah. and and confidence, right? Like we're talking mm -hmm. about the confidence going up, like. We may have already had a decision in place, but having confidence in that decision really helps the like, commitment. how quick, yeah, the commitment, exactly. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's good to check with uh, smart people. I think I always enjoy these conversations. I want to wrap up this uh, yeah, conversation. 48 minutes yeah, is Yeah, 48 good. minutes. And actually, you know what? I'm just going to make this no podcast. So I hope that's okay. A what podcast? A podcast. A hook podcast. For sure. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, okay, so... Thank you for watching or listening. Uh, you can give them a call to action for if they want to check you out. Yeah, go to roofingbusinessfire.com or find me on Facebook. Awesome. And thank you for watching. See you guys later.